Welcome to the Woohoo Crew podcast, where cosmic culture meets pop culture, where we discuss topics like astrology, numerology, the mind-body connection, as well as sports, music, and entertainment. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm joined by my co-host, my pseudo-guru, Cheryl. We are the Woohoo Crew. Hello, Cheryl, my pseudo-guru. Welcome to episode 13. Let me start off the show as I do every episode by asking you, did you catch any woohoo this past week? Woohoo, Brandon. Well, I caught some just now when you said 13, because that's a powerful number. Right? I love that number. Yeah. I'm continuing to work on bringing mantra into my breath as I breathe. And then I caught some really great woohoo yesterday. I was talking to my friend Joe and his daughter was in the background chiming in. She's eight. She's eight today. So shout out to Jesse. Happy eighth birthday. Happy birthday, Jesse. And her little voice, it was that voice that she had was so potent and just got, got right in there. And I just filled up with that. It was really sweet. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I feel you on the, uh, the eight-year-old little girl voices there, there, uh, it happens to me every day. Oh, I'm so I'm so happy for you because I miss that. I used to teach in school all the time, and I haven't heard those little voices. So now I'm gonna have to go seek and catch I'm, some more. Yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm starting to like consciously really appreciate uh, her age and really almost like dreading when she becomes a teenager and loses the uh, you know the the little eight year old ten year old girl sort of I don't know perspective. Cause it just, it's just funny. I laugh every day at like the things that she gets really excited about, which are not mm-hmm. things that I would get excited about, but it's mm-hmm. just, there's something so amazing about how happy, like what makes her happy. And, uh, and I love that. Aww. Yeah. For me, I like to remember those things. I wish I had videoed more of my daughter's voices like that in their thoughts. And, um, I did, I did keep some scrapbooks around and, and they would look at them, you know, cause I always want them to go back to that age and remember, cause it's still there. It's always still there. So mm-hmm. maybe as often as you can record it. And so that when she's having a moment as a preteen teen, she can go back to that part of her yeah. that's still very much alive and that can, you know, yeah. help her through it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cause I think that's the, that's seven and eight are our most soulful times. That's when the soul just reigns, you know, and mm-hmm. just to go back to that. So yeah, spend as much time with a seven and eight year old as you can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so how about you? How did you catch woohoo this week? Size your eight year olds, beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's, code. that's a good one. That would have actually been a good one by itself. Um, yeah, you know, I recommitted to doing my breath work every morning and it's, it's quieted my, my, my mind uh, in those times that I, I need it, which is, which is often, I, I tend to kind of get lost sometimes in, in my own little mind games. Um, and it's, it's allowed me to not only just be better at, you know, just general decision-making, but it's also just helps with my general perspective on everything. And so really, I, you know, it's a kind of a testament to you and the woohoo crafts process, you know, it's, it's, uh, it really, it really helps. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, it's even like brushing your teeth. If you think about the act of it, it's not like, wow, I got to get up and brush my teeth. Right. 
but you know, you're going to feel better if you do. And if you don't do it over time, it's going to be a rough day for you and those around you. And it's the same with the breath, right? Or, Or like the car, it's going to be rough if you don't have gas in your car for you and everyone around you when you break down. And it's the same with the breath. Start off in your day, fill up your tank, fill up your bank account. So I'm really glad you're doing that. I can tell you look more radiant. Oh, thank you. That's the first (laughs) time I've ever been called radiant. Oh, wow. Well, keep up the breath. I bet you'll you'll get it more often. I'm just going to walk around town, walk around the town square today and just see, I don't know if we have a town square, but if we did, it would be fun just to walk around and see if I could get somebody to say, Hey, you look radiant. I'm sure they're, they're at least feeling it. (laughs) Just assume that they're, that they know. There you go. All right. All right. Very good. We'll see you back here uh, in a moment. First quarter, reason for the season. Woohoo! Okay, first quarter. Cheryl, what's going on in the cosmos? Well, it's still Aquarius season. All right. We're right in the middle of it. We're in between the new moon and the, the full moon, which will be in, in Leo. Okay. So this is the time to really hone in on any of our gifts that are dormant and to make them active, activate our dormant gifts. Now, how do you, how do you do that? If you don't know, what if you don't know what your gift is? Well, just like you were saying that you've been doing your breath practice mm-hmm. so doing that, getting quiet, okay. tuning in. Okay. It's, it's those times that, that you, you're quiet usually, or that you're tuned in in a very conscious state that the, the download will come, the epiphany will come and just awaken those gifts that, that you didn't realize were sleeping. So you have to put yourself in a position to be able to receive the gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that correct? Okay. And it doesn't mean you have to sit and be quiet. Like people think, I mean, just be open to it. Like instead, because when you're sometimes when we're distracted and we're you know, you know, we have things that distract us, right? But what if even you're just outside and you notice maybe you see an animal that you haven't seen in a while, like a bunny or an owl or a tree is kind of leaning toward you. And maybe there's a kind of a, um, if you look carefully at the bark, there might be an inscription that might speak to you or you hear a song, like something like that to, to spark something, to wake something up. And then maybe you, you do something that you haven't, haven't done before, like um, paint a picture or fix something or write a song, you know, write a poem, something like that. That's what can happen. And also change things up. So when we're stuck and stagnant, it's very hard for, the, for our, our gifts to download. So, so even if it's sleep on the different side of the bed or... Shake it up, basically. Shake it up. This is the season to shake it up. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And see what's coming. Like just uh, something different. And it might be like when, you know, go back to your daughter's age, being with seven and eight, what did you love to do at that time? And, and what can you wake up that's dormant that's been sleeping? How often do you think I, I need to do that? Cause you, you've talked about your seven year old self many times. And I don't think I've ever actually closed my eyes and, and thought about what I was doing at seven. I assume you do though. Right. Cause you're very I, in tune with your seven year old self. I do because that's who that's my authority. 
So okay. I want, I want to please that. That's who I want to please. So her. how have you, how have you gotten back to those memories? Well, at first I would ask questions to the people who knew me at that age, like my parents, <laughs> like, what was I like? What was I into? And memory started coming back. Um, I love to sew. That was a big thing that I did all the time. And I want to bring that gift back. And I remember how I wanted to dress and my parents really let me dress how I wanted, but it wasn't really appropriate at school to wear these long dresses that my cousins would give us their hand-me-downs. And I love these long floral dresses and just mix and match patterning. Um, so I, that's how I would dress now. I dress for my, my seven-year-old self. So those are some of the things and loving to sew. And it just keeps coming back, just asking. And if you have a, do you have a picture of yourself at that age that you could look at? Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, and that could be a meditation in itself. Just putting that picture up at eye level, looking into the eyes of your seven-year-old self and, and remembering what you love to do. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try that. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we don't get to do what we love to do because it might not have worked out in our family dynamics thing. And that's the game. That's the 11th house game is finding your individual gift for humanity your, that your soul wants to share and people that will support that gift. Okay. And that, that's the trick too in your own like family dynamics. There might not be support there. Mm -hmm. And what do you do about that? Yeah. And in you as a parent, how do you cultivate your children's individuation and also the harmony and balance in the family dynamic? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, you know, is uh, I talked about, you know, my eight year old daughter, but getting to that point now where, you know, we've exposed her to a lot of things. And now I kind of want her to start to figure out what she's most interested in. But but I have my I have my wishes for her. You know, I have the things that I like certain paths that I want her to go down. I really want her to play tennis because I want to just be able to like go hit tennis balls with her. So uh, that's just one of many examples, but I, I find myself not too bad, but I do find myself sort of, you know, pushing her a little bit in that direction. Uh, but that's a tough thing for, for parents. You know, did you struggle with that? I just always wanted to hang out with them. <laughs> so I just want to be around them because they're so interesting. I didn't, I did. Well, I was a yoga teacher. So, um, I, when I was creating this kid's yoga situation and they were helping me and they had to come when I started teaching, they were, they were four. So they had to come to class with me because I didn't have like babysitters or anything like that. So they would come and, and then as they got older, they would contribute a lot and help. And sometimes they didn't want to come. And then in like middle school, when I taught an elective course, they were all in it and two of them wanted to be in it. One of them did not because she liked the traditional PE, um, but all her friends had signed up. So I had to listen to her every day, complain about why do you always say downward dog? But I learned a lot from her. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was something I'd hoped that they wanted to do because it, it was, it, it just changed. It helped clear out so much of my old patterning yoga did. And, uh, and, but I didn't push it so much, but like you said, like how you want to play tennis with your daughter. Mm -hmm. I love practicing yoga with my children and having them come to my class. And I love when I would teach like 
Thanksgiving or New Year's and they were all there, my whole family. And now all three of them do have a yoga practice. They all belong to a studio and I am really excited about that. So in that regard, yes. I, but I think if you say to your daughter, I want to spend time with you. I love to play tennis. Would you want to do that with me? That's, I think that's like a higher thing than, Hey, I want you to play tennis because you know, whatever. Right. So I, like when you say you want to play with her, you know, and then maybe something that she wants to do and you might want, not want to do that too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great thing to do in a family. Like, you know, cause like my, my family, they like to play card games and stuff and it's not really my thing, but I, I would do it because I wanted to be with them. We just, that's funny you say that. So we just started playing a card game with uh, my daughter, my wife and I, and we're a, a card game family or board game. Yeah. The board and, games. Yeah. And it was, it's actually really cool. Like it's the first time that she's been able to play like an adult game with us. Um, and that's actually a really big deal. I should have added that to my, uh, to the, the catching of the woohoo uh, mm-hmm. portion, because that was actually a lot of woohoo that I caught. Cause for eight years, she's had to either, you know, do something else when we were playing a game and, and, uh, and now she can do it. And it's just another thing in our life that she could be a part of, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's something to look yeah. forward to too, because that will yeah. happen more and more and more. Well, you yeah. know, I can contact one of my daughters and ask them for advice on this individuation, a harmony in the family. Yeah. Cause you have, you have triplets, right? And uh, when I think Thank of triplets, you. I think of three identical people that look the same and act the same and talk the same and do the <laughs> same things. So yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And I never thought of them like that. I, I, I never thought of them as one. I always thought of them as their individual sure. selves. They're very unique, each one of them and synergistic. And I think they were here. They came here to be together. That makes sense to me. I'd had three miscarriages before them. Oh, wow. I was told I probably could not have children. And then I, they're, they're a gift, I think, oh, wow. a, a, a miracle gift. And they're, since birth, they just, you know, if one of them would cry, they would look at one of the other one's eyes and they would be fine. Like that. It was like, people were cool. like, Oh, it was so hard. I'm like, not really. Cause they had each other yeah. to look into each other's eyes, you know? Yeah. So cool. yeah, we'll get one of them on the phone. So, uh, okay. maybe Sarah Jane, we'll get her from. Okay. Yeah, All right, cool. Get her on their lunch break. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you back for the second quarter. Second quarter. Woo-hoo-wire. Woohoo! We're back. Second quarter. I tell a story. Pseudo Guru channels a cosmic force on the Woohoo Wire. And we ask that cosmic force a question about my story. Today, I want to talk about Tom Brady. If you're already sick of hearing about him, just keep listening. This might be a unique perspective. Just about everyone on the planet knows by now that Tom Brady retired from football this week. He'll go down as the greatest football player ever, greatest of all time. Why that is, is probably up for debate. Most will say it's his seven Super Bowl titles. That's certainly true. But for me, it's it's how he bounced back after many publicized controversies. Are you sensing a theme with me? I, I really like these comebacks. So controversy number one. I have four, by the way. Brady's first season starting. The actual starting quarterback got hurt that year. Tom Brady's like 22 years old, and he's in a playoff game. 
without going into a lot of boring detail in this playoff game, he fumbles the football. Other team gets a ball. Other teams very happy, but wait, the referee overturns the fumble saying that Brady didn't fumble, but rather he threw an incomplete pass. Now, the referee made the correct call, but it was such a weird, fluky, freaky play. And the rule was not really, I can't really explain what he did with the ball and his body and his arm. But it, the rule really wasn't known by anyone because it was just such a strange looking play. And this actually became a really big controversy because everybody thought that it was a fumble. And they're literally still talking about this 20 years later today. They call it the tuck rule. So Brady took a lot of ridicule from that play after the game. And again, this guy is 22 years old. Okay. The football world thinks that he and his team, the new England Patriots got so lucky and the refs blew the call. They should have lost the game. He's 22. So what does he do afterwards? He goes on to win the super bowl, that same playoff controversy. Number two, this one is called Spygate, And this is a part of Brady's impact. All of these controversies have names. So this time, his team, the Patriots, were accused of illegally taping other teams, specifically their play call signals. Now, this is a big deal in football. This was, this was going against uh, common everyday football etiquette. Whether they did it or not, the entire world outside of Boston labeled them as cheaters. And to this day, they still call the New England Patriots cheaters. And it's probably been 15 years now. So what does Brady do? He goes on to win the Super Bowl that year. Controversy number three, Deflategate. That's right, Deflategate. Tom Brady was accused of illegally deflating the footballs. The NFL has strict rules regarding the amount of air in each football. Lower air means it's easier to grip the football for some quarterbacks. Now, temperature can play a factor in football air pressure also. Places like Boston, where it's cold, can alter air pressure over time. Nonetheless, the NFL found Brady guilty and suspended him four games. So what does he do? He comes back for game five and wins the Super Bowl. It's funny watching him over the years. If there's ever been a sure thing in sports betting, it was to bet on Tom Brady, whatever he felt wronged. It's like he has this extra gear that he can only tap into when he's angry. I think it stems from when he was drafted in the sixth round. Every team passed on him for five rounds, and several quarterbacks were drafted ahead of him who – Many were terrible and never lasted in the NFL very long. He had this perpetual chip on his shoulder his entire career because of it. Okay, controversy number four. This one's not so much a controversy, but rather it, it surprised everyone in football. After 20 seasons in New England, playing for coach Bill Belichick, he leaves and goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shocked everybody. He's 42 years old. So what does he do? His first year in Tampa, he wins a Super Bowl. So now he's retired. He has this TB12 company. He has a crazy amount of sponsors. And don't forget, he's also married to one of the most famous women on the planet. So what else does he do? He invents a freaking color. Yes, a color. 
There's now a color named after Tom Brady. It's called the Brady Blue. It's actually a really sharp-looking color. He has his own Pantone number. Now, he did this because, of course, he's starting a clothing line like every other celebrity. But here's the meaning of this new color, this Brady Blue. This is the official meaning of the color. It's bold, exuding strength and confidence, imbued with an inner intensity emblematic of his self-determination and commitment to precision. Sounds like a certain quarterback that we know. Okay, here's my question. How does someone invent a freaking color? No, that's really not my question. How is it that someone can hit that extra gear, not in those everyday moments, but only when they need to, to be successful? And I would like to know about that color invention because I, I have a shade of brain and blue that I like to put out there as well. Woohoo, I'm blue. Whoa, is this the color blue? That's me. Oh, man, I am really happy to see you. And I would love to co-create a brand in blue with you. Yeah, well, let's talk afterwards because I uh, I have this, this gorgeous shade of blue that I really want to put out there in the universe. Absolutely. Okay, well, welcome. How can you help me figure this out? Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, it is pretty funny that he's branding part of me, right? Because, right. you know. Now, do you get royalties or how does that work? <laughs> well, I get, uh, as you call, woohoo. Okay. I, that's, what, that's what happens. The that's... branding just makes us laugh, sure. me and my um, rainbow cohorts. Uh, we just laugh, my other okay. color frequency um, comrades. So we laugh and um, especially, you know, at our rainbow our rainbow conventions about the branding of, of us, right? Cause it is us. It would be like if somebody branded one of your children, would that gotcha. be weird for you? Yeah. Like a part of you. Well, it depends, else it depends if I, you know, what my royalties are, but yeah, it'd be pretty weird. <laughs> but it is a beautiful part of me. And, and what's interesting about me, I mean, I am a primary color, as you know, mm-hmm. um, is that, I am so expansive when I mean, you see me in the, in the sky and you see me in the oceans and I can be used for whatever you need. For instance, when I'm darkened, that dark blue color that's connected to the space, the energy center, the portal right between your brows, when you develop that and you see me there with your eyes closed and rolled there, okay. and then it, it improves your intuitive abilities. And that will help actually develop your emotional strength that I know you're working on. Yeah. If you lighten me, like when me and white get together, mm. <laughs> yeah, we mix our energy. I feel, like, feel like there's a backstory there, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, me and white have a thing. Okay. And when we come together, then it, because when we come together, it's, it's a healing color and it's, it's very wise. It's, it's a color of understanding and patience. It's why people put that. Have you seen that in, in, on, uh, even in corporations and, and um, sometimes even hospitals, they put that color there as a, a, a soothing. Pretty, and... Yeah. Okay. Soothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can be used for that. Okay. And then 
the most, I think the most important way is have you ever gazed at a candle or a, like a flame of a fire in a fire? Yeah. It has a little blue, little tint to it. That's, that's the true blue. Okay. And you can gaze at that and then close your eyes and still see that blue. And Tom Brady can do that. Hmm. Okay. So he's tapped into that. He's tapped into his intuition. He's tapped into me. Why is he so lucky? Well, he does the work. He focuses because okay. it's much easier to focus outwardly. But he closes his eyes and focuses inwardly and he sees me. And then I help him expand when he's, when he's down. See, it's funny here on earth, we have a saying when somebody gets really angry, we say, oh, they see red. And I think, uh, I think when Tom Brady gets angry, he sees blue. Well, we work together and we also have had many conferences about your issue with red and that you haven't been able to activate red's colors as you, you know. So red is completely aware of this and we have had to have some, some conferences that you prefer me. Um, sure. You know, yeah. And I know that you're working on that and bringing in your inner yeah, red. Not, not really. <laughs> well, you are on a high level or people at least around you are like the <laughs> galactic goofball that I'm speaking through. She's working on getting. Uh, into that's true. Red. That is true. She is. <laughs> I give her a lot of credit for that. Yeah. So big uphill red, battle. Red is the, yeah, red, red and blue work together. So for instance, me, like you don't want to see me like at night, like, um, in, um, like the blue, like the light bulbs that you, that you have there, it has this blue light that you don't want. And, um, like the Bluetooth, like things like that, that blue light at, at, at night messes up with your cir circadian rhythm. It messes with your rhythm. So you want to have red at night when the sun goes down, it's yeah. best to have red light bulbs. Okay. So we, we work together and just like, for me, I'm, I'm associated with Jupiter, my color, I'm an expansive where red is like Mars, like active and a warrior. So you're right. When you're, um, when you're angry, red comes in naturally. Mm -hmm. Red is also the root, the root chakra, the, the root energy center. It's what keeps you grounded and secure. Mm -hmm. And then, so like in Tom Brady's example, when he didn't feel secure for all those reasons that you listed, he would feel red and it would get overwhelming, but he knew how to call on me. Yeah. So when there's too much red, you bring in blue and vice versa. That's how we work together. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he so knew how to, he, he knows how to do that. So you and red should, must be pretty tight. We are. And you know, when we get together, what we make, right? Yeah. It's a purple, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, I a like purple. that's a royal color. Yeah. Right? I like purple. Okay. Well, you can't have purple without red. Well, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. <laughs> well, we're the parents of purple. Like, you know that's how true. that works. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can, <laughs> I can compartmentalize that fact though and put it away and just appreciate the color with my eyes. Mm-hmm. So this electric blue, like you see in the, in the flame, when you see me in the flame, my, my essence, that's what can really propel you forward and give you confidence and, um, that commitment, that loyalty, that reliability, that wisdom, and that faith. And it, it almost, some say it feels like, like heaven, because if you think about it, my essence is in, like I said, your sky and your seas, it's that 
expansion, that expansiveness. So then when you tune into me, when you're getting, feeling contracted and feeling unworthy, I can help bring that back very fast. Gotcha. So let's get back to this Brady blue. So what do you think is, I mean, he chose this color, right? It, it obviously means a lot to him and the, uh, the way that you and he work together to harness all of that great energy. What are your thoughts on that being like a part of a clothing line? What is he really trying to do there? Is he trying to transfer some of this, this Brady blue energy out to his consumers or what's, what's going on there? I think he has a higher purpose. Yeah. That's, and, that's what it felt. It feels like he should. And there's a, is there a number associated with the color with my blue Brady and me? Well, he's 12. Is, okay. Yeah. And it's that 112. Is that the number of the. Oh, uh, you know what? Let me, let me look that up here while we're chatting. I think, I it, think is. it is. I, I think yeah. we did get a message about it. I think it's 112 22. Right. Okay. We got the message came through and we picked it up at the, at the rainbow ranch. Yeah. Oh, that happen. sounds, that sounds like a, a beautiful place. Oh yeah. All the colors. We all get together and yeah, and here it is. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's one, one, two dash 22. Okay. So he, this is what I think and okay. I'm blue. So yeah. you should yeah. pay attention. Yeah. Okay. So it's one, one, 12. So that's his color, his number, right? Isn't that I'm his taking number? notes with my blue pen, by the way. Oh, thank you. Just makes me feel so good. You have no idea. So um, it would also make me feel good if you had a red pen, but that, you know, we'll get there. Um, Red was very jealous that I got to come through the Woo wire. So we'll have to get red here too. Um, 12 is his number, right? That's his brand. Okay. So this is a way for him to to keep on going. His vibration that he has as an, he's an expander. He helps people expand into their possibilities. And that's what blue, that's what me, I do that. The true blue does that. And then the 22, wasn't it right? 22 years that he played. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't even, uh-huh. you're right. Mm-hmm. So he's taking the, the, the 22 is a, a powerful, yeah. I mean, they're all really powerful, but if you've ever seen 22, whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, 22, ah, so 22 just takes my this your makes breath my, away, right? I know you're, you're yeah. panting over there. <laughs> yeah. 22 blue, you know, we rhyme. So we like to be together. So blue me that I also am the energy center of your throat, which is the bridge between heart and mind. So what he's doing is he's helping humanity bridge their hearts and their mind. And he's the, the double 11, the 22 is the sound code. 11 is the sound code of all sounds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he doubled I learned he that recently. That. Right. Okay. He doubled that. So it's helping people come into their authentic sound code, unite their mind and their heart and bring their vibration up. And it's be able to communicate very clearly, like the clear blue sky. So he wants humanity to live in, in resonance with their core truth and know that no, all of us know that we, that you, all of you know that you have the right to speak and be heard. Okay. I knew there had to be a higher purpose here. Yes. Yes. So are you going to purchase some Brady blue clothing? 
I think so. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's out yet, but maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll see if we can get, uh, his brand to sponsor our, our show here. Oh, I'm sure they would. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they, especially yeah. if you bring the breath in, like inhale me, like inhale blue, yeah. you know, you can inhale the colors too. I may, like, we may need to bring you back if we have to do a marketing pitch, uh, at some point in the future. Uh, so maybe well, that's we'll, you, yeah. I mean, I'll come and help you. But, yeah. I just um, kind of want you in the room. But you're the brand. I mean, your name is brand on, right? Right. right. That's yeah. yeah I'll, I'll lead those efforts. Mm-hmm. The best thing is to, to use your voice, to talk, to chant, to sing, to hum, to whistle, and that will help you um, achieve these and keep bridging your heart and your mind and yeah. just notice when you're communicating effectively and, and speak your truth when it comes to Tom Brady, because that's what he, he's all about that he he wants to hear truth and speak truth mm-hmm. yeah well listen you're my favorite color by the way i feel kind of weird saying that but i've, I've <laughs> always my favorite color has always been blue and so super mm-hmm. super special for for me to get a chance to talk to you and thanks thanks for coming down and and shedding some hue on us oh i like that you know that and thank you have you painted your doors my color uh, we actually have a lot of, uh, many walls in our house are painted different, uh, shades of blue. Okay. Cause that makes it a portal. Okay. So, the door, yeah. the blue door. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually our front door is a light blue. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's a portal. It's, a, it's an, it's a different, it's a weird, it's an offset of, of a, a blue, but within your realm qualifies mm. as blue. I'm calling it blue. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for noticing me yeah. and, um, all that you've done to expand my essence, my hue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Have a safe trip back. Thank you. Okay. This week's show is sponsored by Blue. It's the hue that helps Aquarian individuation thinking outside the mainstream and Jupiter's portal toward expansion. So call upon Blue to catch the currency of your true sound code when you need to speak up and be heard. Third quarter, the interview. Woohoo! All right, welcome back to the third quarter. We've got another man. We just, we just special guest after special guest. Cheryl, who are we talking to today? Very special guest here, and I'm going to introduce her in her unique language. Oh boy! So Sarah Jane, my firstborn, is from ATL. Went to GT, studied AE and CS, and now lives in CO as an FSW engineer for CubeSats that orbit in LEO. Welcome, Sarah Jane. Hi, happy to be (laughs) here. Wow. Uh, Sarah Jane, can you translate that for us? (laughs) Do you actually want me to? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I I do, actually. I think our listeners do, too. Okay. They're they're just they're they're all they're like writing writing down a bunch of letters and probably googling <laughs> things and and I guarantee everybody's lost. How you doing? First off, thanks for joining um, us. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How are y'all? Great. And so you're an acronym uh, girl, right? Is that what I understand? You like to communicate in acronyms? Yeah, I mean they're just quicker. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> so tell me about the intro. What was that all about? Yeah. So um, it just I went to Georgia Tech. I'm originally from Atlanta, ATL, 
majored in aerospace engineering, AE, and CS, computer science. And I currently live in CO, Colorado. And I am a flight software, FSW engineer. And I work on cube satellites in LEO, low Earth orbit. Wow. Okay. So you're, so you're doing work that is basically circulating around the cosmos. Yes, I write code that goes into space, and I currently um, have one satellite in orbit that I've actually two that I've worked on in orbit. So some of the code that I've written is now in space, and I'll in the next year or two probably have about ten more. That's pretty cool. That's mm -hmm. really cool. Maybe you can write some code for our Woohoo Wire. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So you are Cheryl. You called her your firstborn, right? <laughs> but you have yeah. triplets. Right. She okay. was first born by 30 seconds. By 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I, I won the womb, as I like mm -hmm. to say. Okay, all right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Do you let your, your sisters know about that often? <laughs> Occasionally. I mean, okay. I do like to mention that I was, out of the three of us, I was the only one who got to go home from the hospital. Oh, um, wow. They were below a particular weight limit and had to stay while I oh, got wow. to go home with my okay. parents. They stayed for 24 hours though. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to pick the good room then, right? You got the first dibs yeah, in the house. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, she did. And well, they shared a crib, but she got to get out of the space. <laughs> I kept him in, I kept, I always kept him in birth order um, to make sure I, you know, could identify them correctly. But sure. she, yeah, you and Anna were born at the same time on your birth certificate. Same. We had they had they each had their own doctors. They were born at oh, the wow. same time, but okay. th mm -hmm. 30 seconds. Yeah. So she was the first. And and that's part of your individuation right you like to be first you like to win yeah so it's it's kind of a joke a lot of the time but I definitely think it's part of my identity as well yeah so it's part of Aquarius season and you Sarah have your how do you like to pronounce it Uranus or Uranus um I definitely prefer Uranus but mm -hmm. <laughs> all right Uranus. that's a winner that's two out of three yeah <laughs> So you're yeah. meant to innovate and disrupt and, and be your own self. And that's what we're talking about is, especially for you as a triplet, a triplet sister, all of your sisters, how you are your individual unique self and how you are um, connecting with your innate genius, your particular artistic innate genius and how, um, how that was cultivated and, and any ways that, that you, you could help parents now with, um, instead of projecting their own desires onto their children, mm -hmm. helping, their, helping their children know what their innate gifts are. So what do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> As a triplet, um, especially when we were younger, we often, you know, we did everything together. And we were, we were always associated together. Like everyone always knew us as the Crawford. So I think that there was definitely like always a point, especially in like middle school where we wanted to kind of find our own individuality and kind of differentiate mm -hmm. ourselves among our sisters. Mm -hmm. um, and I always thought that that was really, really important. And I think that especially having like parents who were more hands-off and kind of like let us own, let us all develop our own interests to differentiate ourselves without guiding us in a particular fashion. And it kind of almost like turned out that way where me and my sisters all have different interests, but we also like work really well together. So I think kind of finding that balance between individuality and harmony is really important. Yeah, you said fashion, do you, did you dress the same? Yes, um, okay. my mom liked to dress us in- um, 
coordinating. 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 Okay, but not not the same though. No. no we just okay. had our colors. Okay. So triplets, okay, and you're all extremely intelligent and you're on your path to being very successful and just I mean, you know, obviously kudos to you and Bruce, Cheryl. Um, at what age did you start to sort of each of you kind of go and maybe your own little different path? Um, I think it varies. I, I would think one of like the most differentiating ages is probably like sophomore year of um, high school. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's where we kind of started to think a lot more about the future and started to think about like what skills we were good at and what we wanted to do in the future as well. So I'd say that that was like a very like distinguished point because we were all you know going through teenage years mm-hmm. but I would say like throughout our lives we always definitely had like little bits of individuality moments sprinkled throughout especially with like the types of like after school activities we would like to do like our parents would all put us in like the same after school activities and then we could kind of pick and choose which ones we liked now you did pretty well in high school right as far as like grades <laughs> <laughs> is that what yes, I heard yes Yes. Okay. Um, I did pretty well. Um, I, you know, got the best grades in my class. Um, and it was funny. Yeah, so she, I think- she was a valedictorian. Which <laughs> yes, I was. Anybody I didn't say- still hasn't connected the dots yet. I know. I wanted to see if you were going to say it. <laughs> no, I play a game with like people that like I meet a lot of new people in Colorado since I'm fairly new here. And a game that I always play with my- myself is how long do I know someone until I tell them I was high school valedictorian? Right. That's funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. so well all right so was school was it easy for you was it hard were you studying all the time or are you just did it just sort of a lot of it come natural or was yeah I I always really liked school I think from an early age it always came really natural to us because I think that was a lot because my mom taught us how to read when we were super super little so from an early age like school was always easy because we were reading all the time we loved learning Um, me and my sisters we all loved school so it was always super easy super fun And as far as I can remember, I always liked school. And then at a certain point, like when you get to high school, I would get kind of competitive with my sisters. So I almost wanted to get better grades than my sisters. And that kind of was like the first motivation for me, like wanting to do well in school outside of just trying to get good grades because that's what society tells you to do. So I originally just kind of wanted better grades than my sisters. And then I like learned maybe in my sophomore or junior year that I had like a chance of being valedictorian. So I kept that up and, you know, kept trying to get A's and definitely like studied a fair amount, but also had a fun balance with it. So, yeah. 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 So how was, how was, uh, Cheryl as a, as a, as a mom (laughs) during your high school years? (laughs) Um, high school years, I feel like you were more hands-off. I feel like in the early years, I think she was like an amazing mother in terms of how invested she was in like our early childhood and our development and she wanted us to be well first and foremost she wanted me and my sisters to be nice to each other that was always like the priority was that we were nice to our sisters yeah and that and then she taught us how to read and she really created like an environment where learning was super super fun not to cut you off so how how did you do that cheryl how what was Mm -hmm. i mean that's a that's an important lesson right be kind to your sibling I have, uh, Sarah, I have a, an eight and a four-year-old and, you know, they're hot and cold as far as kindness to each other. But uh, what do you, what are your secrets there? Pseudo-guru. Well, you know, when I was a school teacher for 11 years and I remember um, a supervisor giving me this great advice my first year when I was struggling as a teacher. And she said, pick three things that you will not tolerate and let everything else go. 
And one thing I would not tolerate is them saying something that wasn't kind, just not having compassion. I didn't tolerate it at a very young age. So I studied up on it and I studied empathy. So what I would do is, for instance, Sarah Jane, if she would take like Frankie's doll and Frankie would cry, I would say, and I had to teach myself how to do it. So I would write these, um, these index cards and I would do the empathy first. So I would say, Sarah, you really wanted that doll. And she would say, yes. And then I'd say, look at Frankie's face. How did she feel when you grabbed the doll from her? You know, like, like that. And then she would say it. And, and then I would say, you know, you may not grab a doll from her. And if you do, you're going to, and there would be a consequence, which back then was a, I had these placemats and I would just bring them everywhere. I'd have, I'd have <laughs> remember those, Sarah, I'd bring them to the store and they would have to sit on them. It was this dumb thing. But even if it was like for two, two seconds, like go sit there. And then when they got old enough, even before they got old enough, they started to draw pictures for their sister. Like there was always a way of look what you did. What are you going to do about it? I will not tolerate that. There is a consequence for treating your sister like that. And I just worked at it. That was my number one thing, along with like all my weird food I had them eat and also sleeping. They were, they were at what, three, 33 weeks. So I made sure they slept. And that was my Aquarian thing. That was because I have my 11th house in cancer, so my mothering. So that was my priority. I made sure they took really long naps. They loved naps. They loved reading. They loved learning. And um, they knew that, that, that when they were kind to each other, that it was going to feel better in, in our space because kindness is a, is a high frequency. So I just worked really hard at it. Gotcha. Cool. Have, Sarah, have you, ha, have you met any other triplets? Yes. Um, in my grade growing up, we had another set of triplets. They weren't okay. all girls. They were two girls and a guy. And then okay. I feel like I've met other triplets, but not as well as like the other triplets in my grade. Did you, did you get any, uh, any sort of common theme from some other triplets that you may have met, whether they were good or bad or some of the struggles or advantages that, that they may have had as triplets? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of how I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about individuality, I think you're always going to be, especially when you're in school, you're always going to be associated with your siblings. So trying to like differentiate yourself mm -hmm. and even trying to differentiate yourself socially is really, really hard to do. Sure. So I could even see with like the other set of triplets, like it was a little bit harder for them to share friends in my set of our set of, of triplets. And I kind of saw that. Yeah. But then in yeah. some sense, I almost felt like I was disadvantaged when I went to college because I was so used to having my sisters as kind of like a social. Crush. Yeah. So yeah. how was that? Right. So you were with your your sisters for, you know, 18 years or whatever, give or take. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, what was that like? You go to at least you were in the same city, right? But you went to Georgia Tech. Or um, same state. Same, or same state. state. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that must have been quite a life change. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I remember I even did like sorority rush. And I remember like the first thing that I would talk about was I was a triplet. Like I was so used to that being like an identifying sure. factor of me. And then yeah. as I continued to go through college, like it wasn't the first thing that people would know about me. It's almost something that kind of gets brought up kind of randomly. And it's, yeah. that's kind of how it is in my adult life too. Right. It's like, I'm a triplet. And like, I'll tell people that, but since my sisters aren't around, it's not always like immediately obvious unless sure. someone asks. So even though you were valedictorian, you did really well in school, you, you would get in trouble. You would rebel against rules that- you Ooh, here we go. Now we're getting into the good stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, as important as to be kind, I'm definitely like not the best at following rules I don't agree with. And I don't necessarily like strive to follow all rules. I think I get that from my mom a little bit. And one of the things that I was the worst at in, um, growing up in school was dress code. Um, my shorts were always, my skirts were always too short. Cause I was in public school, we had a dress code. We weren't allowed to wear athletic shorts, super hot in Atlanta. And I'd always wear skirts that were too short. And then my first incident in this was actually um, in sixth grade. It was probably like the second week of school. I was wearing this cute little plaid skirt. And then I got called to the office and I hate confrontation. So I immediately like started crying and I was in the office and, you know, had to call my mom to come pick something up. And then my mom shows up to my middle school, like discipline office in a tube top, like this, like bright green tube top. A white. Goes, it was white, white tube top. No, no, no bra, no bra, no bra. <laughs> and she goes up to like the discipline lady and she's like, I heard my daughter got called for dress code. I have no idea how this could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. How yeah. was that? Yeah. And then what happened? Um, she just gave me it. Oh I'm no, your math felt, teacher. Like, a huge sense of comfort. Oh my, what did my math teacher do? Your math teacher who you love, Miss Martin whispered in my ear, we're going to be good friends. Yeah. <laughs> So that's it. That's funny. That's a funny story. Um, and that's an interesting thing. So like, I, I kind of feel that like I want, I don't want my kids to be like, total, like, I want them to be rule breakers. But you wonder, like, as a parent, you kind of worry, like, you don't want them to go so far past that they're breaking rules, like in a bad way, right? So, mm -hmm. but I think the way you did it is great. Like, you want them to challenge things and, and, and break some rules. And, uh, but at least have like, I guess common sense maybe would be the thing that you would want them to have the most. How did you kind of walk that line though, Cheryl with? Yeah, well, that was a rule like school rules. And I was a school teacher. So I was cool with school rules. If they didn't, if they wanted to break them, they, they didn't, all three of them really did not break many rules. This was probably the only one. And then it continued in high school with Sarah. Usually she didn't even realize she was doing it, that it was too short. But the, the thing that I'm, I'm proud of my parenting and then Sarah um, actually doing it was when she was valedictorian, I said, make sure you bring that up as a, in, a, in a fun way, in a silly way about your um, dress code. And, you know, cause she, and she did. And, and I thought that was really cool that, that, that you did that because mm -hmm. when you know, when, when you help your children instill their core beliefs so that they're not, you know, you, at first they're going to have some of your own core beliefs and then um, the rules, like that's why that's Aquarian. Make sure that your children are developing their own authority and what rules matter to them and what rules don't. My kids follow way more rules than I do. You know, maybe they had to because they saw me breaking so many. So they saw me not caring about a lot of the rules that most of society does. They had the mom that was weird, you know, right, Sarah? So that, you know, you're, I wasn't like the other moms and you had to oh, deal no, with that no. too. Right? Yeah, I get like very nervous whenever I meet someone else's mom <laughs> because they're so different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in that, <laughs> so you, and at first you were like, mom, why can't you be like them? At first you, you yeah, kind of first, yeah. and then you, you, now you, you kind of got over that. Yeah. So that's the thing too. Like as a parent, when you are who you are and they can see that and then they can, right, Sarah, you can develop your own authority. And then, mm -hmm. so we need to follow that. Then, then there's, but there's certain house rules. Like they, 
that like I was interestingly as much as they could you know do what they wanted in school if they wanted she you skip school a lot Sarah and she was valedictorian but well, if I was she, bored I would get bored if she was bored she's like I'd rather come home and read a book I'm like come home um, but like in the house, they had to be home at a certain time just because I would stay up and worry about them. I, I skipped school too occasionally and I was not at home reading a book. Just FYI, that's <laughs> impressive. So um, yeah, so the home rules, I was kind of more strict. So Sarah, is there anything else that you could share with parents about how to help their children find their innate genius? I think it would be a lot about giving them like the tools to enjoy learning on their own and not setting any rigid expectations for them. I know that you like were invested in our grades, but you never were like, oh, you need to get all A's or if you get all A's, I'll give you like this reward. I yeah. felt like with learning and grades, it was all for me. It wasn't because my parents were forcing me to do that. And I'd kind of contrast that with some of my friends. And I was like, always very, very appreciative of that. So I liked that I had both like the tools to be independent and then I didn't have like rigid guidelines of how I was supposed to act. But I always knew that I had support if I needed it as well. So Sarah, you have apparently a dating checklist and are you dating anybody currently? Yes, I recently just started dating someone. And okay. Typically like while I'm going, you know, through the process of going on dates, I like to ask them, all the questions kind of casually weave them into conversation. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of a little bit of a game for me. Um, yeah. And we just officially started dating a couple of weeks ago and I'd already been over this list with him. I think I even showed it to him and then he met my friends and they were like, Oh my God, we have to interrogate him. Like, Sarah, yeah. give me the list. I have to interrogate him. And I was like, guys, you can interrogate him, but like, I've already been over all this. Way ahead of you girls. Or else like we wouldn't be dating. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's funny. So what's it, what, what's on the list? Um, I think a lot of them are pretty casual. They're just a good way to kind of weed out people. Um, sure. I think one of those is um, they talk about the stock market too much. I get a little annoyed. Um, <laughs> okay. If they're like very into golf or like baseball. <laughs> just, just golf and baseball. Not uh, what about basketball or tennis or. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with all other sports. Okay. Like just either of those are like their favorite sport, you know, like, wow. I just, a, I don't want to, I don't want to like have to hear about that all the time. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't like the vibe of those sports. Okay. Okay. But. <laughs> Good. Hey, um, listen, you're, you're way, you're miles ahead of like most 23 year olds, you know, you, you know what you want and that's great. Don't you ask them what planet Don't you ask them about the planet? This, that's that's a side thing from the list but oh, that's okay. another separate that's kind of like one of the original things that's, that's um, phase I two think, cheryl once they get to a certain two. point yeah, yeah. I, i'd ask everyone what their favorite planet is i ask honestly anyone what their favorite planet is and then i see their response and you know can you can really judge a lot about a person by what they say their favorite planet is and why so what's your <laughs> favorite planet <laughs> so my favorite planet is neptune neptune okay yeah, which okay. is a pretty rare one to have as a favorite planet. I almost yeah. get when, when someone um, has the same favorite planet as me, I get so excited. Right. So uh, if you're if you're like if you met a guy and you're considering dating him and he goes, yeah, Neptune's my favorite planet, you got to be <laughs> like you're blown away, right? I mean, that's does that carry more weight? So let's say he's really yeah. into golf, but he <laughs> loves Neptune. Can they cancel each other out and still get the green light? Or how does <laughs> yeah, that work? I think they could cancel each other out because I don't believe I don't believe in absolutes, you okay. know. So okay. they're they're they could cancel out, or you know, if his favorite planet's Neptune, that's a little bit more redeeming, sure. and that could uh, kind of overshadow shadow his love of golf. There's also things that I will not allow you 
to marry somebody if they haven't done. I have a list too. They have oh, to like Harry Potter. They have to like Harry. Harry Potter. I think that's it, actually. That's the one yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's if it. They don't like if they don't like Harry Potter, run. That's oh, yeah. it. But if they watch Harry Potter, they're in. You give them the green light. No, they have to have liked Harry Potter. Uh, well, right, okay. But they they've liked Harry Potter, and that's it. Yeah, that's that's well. Well, okay. if they haven't even read it or care about them, that's a no. Yeah. That's a red flag. Okay. Yeah, that's what I care about. Jeez. Yeah. All right. No, no muggles, muggles allowed is what you're saying. I just don't want them in the family. I hear yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also like their last name. You have like, to I protect. Like to... <laughs> you have to protect the family uh, levels that go down the road long after we're gone. You want to make sure that your family name is is still going right. strong. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Thank you. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you. <laughs> and, and really good insight. Even though you're not a you're not a parent, uh, you <laughs> certainly have a lot of wisdom that could help existing parents, including myself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, what we learned from, sure. right? The children. Learn more right. from them, you know. I could be saying anything, but they're the proof in the pudding, right? So listen, listen to your children, and they'll tell you too. They'll for sure tell you. And as much as you can, giving them autonomy, letting them pick the colors of their room, the colors of the footprints on the ceiling, um, putting their artwork up, just honoring them is um, the best way. And really, just listening, listening, listening to what they're saying. Often it comes in like, as they get older, it's, a, it's the car rides, you know, because as you get older, they don't share as much. They get quieter, but in the car is when they talk, like middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. See, you come from astrology here, but you get so much more, right? <laughs> this, is the, this is the podcast of giving. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thank I'll you. I'll talk to you later. Love you. I'll talk to you all later. Love you all too. Okay. Love you too. Bye, Bye Brandon. Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Woohoo! Welcome back to quarter four. Every week we do a top four list. Cheryl, what do we have this week? Top four ways to work with blue. Ooh, yeah. To co-create with it. All right, bring mm-hmm. it on. What do we have? Number four, when you're feeling blue, when you get the blues, most likely from having light, the white light, the white, the bluish white light on it at night and messing with your circadian system. That's how you get the blues. When you get the blues, do something out of the blue. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So if I'm sad, okay, let's just say I'm a little down on, I'm down in the dumps, right? Mm-hmm. I could just, you're saying just go do something that I haven't really done in a while out of the blue, like maybe you know, go on a walk or, you know, maybe go fishing or something like that. Absolutely. And that would be great because you go for a walk, you'll see the sky. And then I'll see, I'll see the blue water too. Yeah. You go fishing, you see the water. Right. I like that. You thought of those two things. Yeah. 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 So do something out of the blue. Okay. Okay. Number three, eat paint where? (laughs) What? 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 It sounds like a movie. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Eat, eat blueberries. Julia Roberts movie actually. I don't it know really why. Does. Which, by the way, remember we had John Friend on his um, guru, Guru mm-hmm. Mai. That's the that's the Julia Roberts in E Pray Love. That's her guru, oh. which is the real Elizabeth Gilbert's guru. Okay. That Julia Roberts played. Yeah. Fun, fun fact. Yeah, that okay. is a fun fact. So eat blueberries, which is the only true blue food. Yeah. Very high nutrients. Paint, paint your doors blue, or paint with blue. Paint your okay. walls blue. Okay. 
Wear, wear blue, wear blue clothes, wear a blue scarf, wear blue stones, wear blue eyeshadow. Yeah. Wear a blue hat. Okay. All right. Number two, gaze at the sky or the sea. And as you're gazing, breathe it in, breathe the essence in, the blue in and out. Okay. And number one, light a candle, look at the flame, candle gazing, look at the top of it, the top of the flame. And then when you can visualize it, close your eyes and still see the flame through your closed eyes. I like that term candle gazing. That sounds like a, maybe that could, that could be like the next new thing. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a powerful thing to do to candle gazing. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you see the blue and you close your eyes and you roll your eyes to the space between your brows and you want that space to get blue. Then you know that you've hit the, your intuition is getting stronger, your wisdom and the seeing the inner seeing so you just see things, you'll be able to see the unseen. That's, that's the place you'll tap into when you co-create with blue with a candle. All right. I'm going to co-create tonight. Okay. Let us know how it goes. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Because blue is your favorite color. Yes. Blue is absolutely my favorite color. Not even a close second. Mm. All orange, I guess, but. but (laughs) Do you think Tom Brady, that's the reason he retired too, too orange. Too much orange down there in the sunshine state. Uh, you know, possibly, you know, colors are a weird thing. They'll do weird things to people. I like that. He retired at 44. That's a powerful number. Yeah. That was it. We talked about that in our first episode. Yeah. It's, uh, he's an amazing story. Uh, you know, love him or hate him. You have to respect what he's accomplished for sure. All right. Well, that wraps up episode 13. We just keep plugging away at this and, uh, hopefully everybody's in, is enjoying it as much as we are. We enjoy putting it out there for everybody. Yes. Thank all you right. all for listening. Yep. Woohoo. See you next week. Woohoo.